Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. episode 156 presented by FanDuel. My name is Connor Ryan and I am writing solo today. Uh, I just got back from a uh, extended trip out west uh, to Arizona, Utah, uh, New Mexico. Uh, So I got in super late last night, uh, got back from uh, that extended trek and as a result I am writing solo today. Evan has the day off, I'm not having him record at the crack of dawn or anything like that. So uh, I am trudging through this uh, show solo today, fighting through a few sunburns, a few things like that, just uh, to talk a little bit of Bruins hockey with all of you guys. So uh, as we usually do when it's these solo shows, uh, we're going to keep it to a mailbag format. So I uh, reached out on Twitter to see if anyone had any Bruins-related questions. Um Regarding the team, as we're kind of going through this latest stretch of um, kind of kind of the second uh, dry spell, I guess, of the offseason, right? You have really not a lot to report on from May through uh, early June. Then you have the draft and free agency and uh, dev camp and all those things all kind of compressed over a two-week window. Now we're in that kind of same stretch where we're kind of just waiting for the other two to drop, right? Like most of free agency is done. Um at this point, the Bruins are pretty much just waiting on the decisions of Chris Berger and David Krejci. And until you find out what's kind of the next step for those guys, you're kind of in this holding pattern, right? Those are the two guys that not only are going to determine how exactly um, or, or what exactly the ceiling for this team is going to be. But it, it also, if you find out when Bergeron and Krejci come back or if they come back, it lets the rest of your lineup fall into place. You know, where exactly a guy like Morgan Geeky is slotting to the lineup? Is, you know, Pavel Zaka going to be your 2C? Is a guy like Coyle going to be bumped into top six minutes? Like, so many other things hinge on that. And until we get that answer, we really don't know. So until then, we're going to field a few questions. Uh, again, reach out on uh, Twitter to our loyal, uh, you know, uh, subscribers and readers over there. So let's uh, just dive into it. So first, uh, first question we have is from Chad McVean at Wiener85, who says, with roughly $5 million in cap space, how much do Swayman and how much is left for Jeremy Swayman and Trent Frederick while leaving $1 million for the captain? Could one-year deals for both and a handshake deal for more next season when the cap jumps up? Or if not, who gets moved out? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, Chad, first of all, thanks for the question. But um, it, it's tough in terms of, you know, framing out those handshake, uh, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod kind of deals like that just because, again, unless you're like a guy like I think like it was what, Kevin LeBanc who signed that one-year deal way below his market value and really didn't pan out for him in the long term. For as much as I think people project that, you know, there are these things where teams are going to do right by players, I think players and especially their agents um, and probably the HLPA 
uh, wanted to be more on the side of getting paid, you know, what, what you're due for what you did this past season. Um, and again, that can sometimes get into a, a muddled area when you look at maybe a guy like Frederick in terms of, you know, he had a breakout year. Do the Bruins think that's sustainable and he's due the certain amount of money that he thinks uh, he's due? Like those are things you have to sort out, but I can't be, I can't see a situation where for as much as I'm sure from a team perspective, it's like, all right, listen, bear with us one year deal at really cheap, uh, you know, below probably what your market rate is going to be for this season. And then we'll do right by you next year. In principle, it sounds great. The Bruins would love to have that happen. Uh, I'm sure fans would love to have, you know, uh, one less cap related headache. That's, you know, already been kind of the main theme of this off season so far by having those guys sign one year deals at what, 1 million, one and a half, something like that. I just don't see that being the case. Uh, so it is going to be really tough to see what exactly the um, what exactly the course is going to be because again, even if you look at just what the natural proje- projections from a guy like Swayman and, and Frederick are, are you looking at two and a half million for a guy like Frederick more? Right? Are you looking at uh, you know Swayman? Is he going to get a similar deal to what a guy like Spencer Knight I got a few years ago? So those are going to be the things that are going to determine just how much cap space you have left. And at that point, it's all right, if you do know that Patrice Bergeron's coming back, is it, are, are you, you know, moving another contract? Are you trying to, you know, another buyout window comes up and you're able to move on from a guy like, I don't know, like is a guy like Derek Forbert going to be a, a casualty of that if you sign both Frederick and Swain into market-level deals, but Patrice Bergeron is coming back? Like, it, it's so tough to kind of map out what exactly the next step is, but um, and, and you won't really know until you find out if Bergeron's back. Now, it remains to be seen if the Bruins already know that and they're they're bracing for that or what the next move's going to be, but uh, it is a, a task easier said than done when you look at uh, how they can kind of balance out what's left of this remaining cap space they have and, and what the next course is going to be because um, it, even if these guys get paid, what, what you'd expect, uh, Frederick and Swayman, don't have a whole lot of money left over after that. And again, I, I think if Bergeron comes back, you're expecting a very similar type of contract to last year, right? Where he's going to pretty much bail this team out in terms of what his annual payout is going to be. But still, you need to have at least a million left over, right? You can't have it be, you know, uh, 400000 or something like that. You need to pay this guy uh, at the very least a minimum of what he's uh, already going to be underpaid for this upcoming season. So, um, it is a, a, t- a tough thing to weigh, but I don't see a situation where uh, both Swayman and Frederick are signing for one year, one one million, one and a half, just to, to make the money work this year. I just don't see that being feasible from the players' side, especially their representatives. All right, next one is from Alex uh, at Random Task sixty eight says, which young players' prospects are in a make it or break it 20, uh, 2023-24 season? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys, Alex, first of all, thanks for the question, but um, a lot of guys that stand out in that regard in terms of uh, are going to be in situations where they can really try to make a sustained push. Um, in terms of make it or break it, like I, I can look at guys like, um, you know, Lauco or maybe a guy like Lysel or Lori, but even like Lysel Lori, I wouldn't say it's make it or break it because if those guys need more time down in Providence, I think the Bruins are going to, uh, chart that course for them. Again, uh, even though there are more vacancies, at least on paper, going into the season, I don't think they're going to rush a guy like Lysel Alora just because they're the flashiest prospects or they maybe have the higher ceiling amongst this 
a crop of young talent the Bruins have. Um, I would say some guys, though, it's those guys who I think have been in the system for a little while that this is going to be kind of more or less their last chance. I kind of look at how a guy like Jakob Lauko was where last training camp seemed like he was going to be an outside looking in at regular minutes, uh, had been in the system for a good a good while at that point. If he didn't pop in training camp, you kind of view that as being his kind of last run with this team. So uh, I, I look at guys like, you know, Oster Steen, who could be in the mix uh, for a fourth line role, even though, again, there's so many guys in that spot now. You know, saying a guy like Boquist uh, further kind of complicates that in terms of getting those minutes. But he's a guy that has shown some potential when he's been called up, just hasn't consistently been able to earn those minutes. Um, so he's a guy... Mark McLaughlin, who, again, I think is still waivers, uh, is exempt from waivers if he gets sent down. But still, that's a guy that I, I think you look at him and his game kind of fits the profile of a, a fourth-line guy uh, up at the NHL level. Really solid two-way play, really underrated shot, uh, was known as a, you know, a key piece on a couple of BC teams uh, during his collegiate career. Uh, certainly helps that he's a, a mass native, again, right, if you're looking for guys who kind of fit the bill as, as future Bruins. But uh, he's a guy that I think when Lauko, you know, made the team last year, uh, people were kind of confused by it in terms of just how good Mark McLaughlin was during training camp. He was arguably their most consistent, impactful forward throughout the uh, throughout that preseason slate. Get sent down to Providence, so uh, you, hopefully he's able to kind of build off of his his uh, last season in Providence and make a push there because he's a guy that again, if you're looking at internal candidates who can fill in roles. A guy like McLaughlin makes p- plenty of sense. And I think one guy in terms of just where his development is and, and where he could project to the next level, I'll probably throw Johnny Beecher in that mix. Again, he's a guy that first round talent, um, you know, hasn't, you know, offensively hasn't put it all together down in, in Providence. Um, but he's a guy that you look at just where he kind of fits and, and what his role could be on this team as a, a fourth line senator. He, he's someone who you look at that skill set where he's got great speed, big body, can play physical. Um, you know, people can be upset if a fourth line stalwart. That's not exactly what you want out of a guy that's a first round pick. But if he can be your Sean Corrali and play at, at a similar role like that for the next four or five years, there's value in that. You just need to find out if he has what it takes to make that jump up to the NHL level. Um, so whether that's making a really good impression during training camp. If he does get sent down to Providence again this upcoming season, um, does he build off of it? Is he a guy that becomes more of a consistent offensive uh, generator down in Providence for the first few months, and then he gets called up again later on this year? I think those are things you have to weigh with a guy like Beecher, who, again, has that potential for what his role could be at the NHL, just needs to put it all together. So I think that's a guy that really sticks out to me. It's a guy that could be in a bit of a make-it-or-break-it year. Uh, this next uh, question is from uh, at Pocket Chimpy, who says, if we had to have one, who do we keep, Frederick or Swayman? Uh, first of all, thanks for the question at Pocket Chimpy. Um, I think there it's got to be it's got to be Swayman uh, in terms of, again, you can maybe view his role as being a bit redundant with a guy like Olmark still in place. But I still think if you look at this team and what in this, if you want to call it a bridge year, what their keys to success are going to be. It's going to be goaltending and it's going to be defense. Uh, and, you know, they're not going to have nearly as much offensive firepower, not nearly as much depth. But if you're able to have a situation where you have that that tandem of swim and all mark and net, um, I think that can go a long way towards getting you in a position where uh, you can continue to grind out wins, uh, remain in the playoff picture, 
having a guy like Swayman in place who was really, really good last year and stands to be even better moving forward where, you know, considering where he is in his development, his age, I think that's a guy you really covet. And it's not to say that Frederick's a guy that if, you know, the opposition goes awry, the Bruins are just going to be like, all right, peace. Like, Frederick, I think we've mentioned this on multiple podcasts before, uh, talking with Evan. Like, he's such a, a fascinating player to project and that we don't really know what exactly he is, right? Is he this 17-20 goal guy that uh, showed flashes of that last year who has added value off of his, you know, physicality, his way to impact the game in, the, in that regard? Like, even if he maybe maybe not be as dynamic of a player, you'll get whatever line he was on last year, he helped out whoever he was on just doing kind of the little things. Um, so is he more of that player or is he a player that was on a bit of a shooting heater last year? He's more of a 10-12 goal kind of fringe third line, fourth line guy. We don't really know what exactly his spot's going to be. That remains to be seen. So as I'm saying, the Bruins are going to give up entirely on him or anything like that. They still want to sign him. Um, but if you had to pick just one, I think if you're the Bruins, you're going swimming in that regard. So thank you for the question at Pocket Chimpy. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, this next one is Frederick for MVP. You probably disagree with my last uh, comment. Uh, and Frederick for MVP says, or, or asks, who is more likely to break out next year, Lysel or Merkulov? If you ask me, I'm probably going to lean more Merkulov in terms of I think his just overall game is probably more uh, developed at this point. I think Lysel, listen, like you can see the talent is evident, the skating, the offensive capabilities. Um, if he's able to put kind of his, uh, you know, second half dip last season in the rearview mirror, come into this camp healthy, motivated, committed, and makes a push, like I'm, I wouldn't put it past him, you know, making a pretty good case for opening the year on what have you, the third line, top six. Is he going to, is this, this could be a situation where he's kind of the, you know, Andrew Bjork or Jake DeBrusque a few years ago, where it has a really good preseason earns a top six spot out of, out of the gate and kind of rolls with it. Like he has that potential to do that, puts it all together. But I think if you're the Bruins, you don't want to rush a guy like that who really did kind of hit a wall last year. has still a bit to work on with his, uh, you know, fit, his conditioning or his physicality or, or fighting through things, defense again, a little bit of work. So um, I think you just look at what Merkulov did last year. And again, he's still a guy that has to work in his overall game. Uh, again, no one's perfect at that stage of their development, but um, whether it's his defensive play or, you know, filling out his frame as well, but Merkulov, I think you look at his skill set and how impressive he was in the offensive uh, part of his game down in the AHL ranks last year. He's a guy that, um, it's going to be really interesting to see where exactly he fits on this team. Uh, Playmaking is there, good shot, good one-timer. Um, and again, if, if you're the Bruins and you're looking for uh, the state of this roster where you don't have nearly as much scoring depth, if a guy like Merkulov can make a, a good impression out of camp and all of a sudden he's a guy that you can trust in a, a middle six role out of the gate as a rookie and you kind of ease him along. And as the year goes on, um, he becomes an impact player for you. That's, 
best case scenario for the, the Bruins, right? If you look at this Bruins team, right, they're trying to stay competitive this year, of course, with defense and goaltending. But if they can do that, remain in the playoff picture, set themselves up for a really, uh, you know, hefty spending spree next year when the cap jumps up and they have a lot of money coming off the books and also get some clarity with some younger guys, whether it's someone like a Merkulov uh, or Beecher or Lauko or someone like that. If you can get out of this this upcoming season while also having one or two younger guys who have fought and carved out sustained roles for themselves, pretty good season for the Bruins considering just how daunting this offseason was. Uh, so I, I do think they're going to see how a guy like Lysel Merkulov could do uh, if, if they're going to get, I'm sure, plenty of reps this preseason. But again, it falls on the player themselves to to make that push um, during this preseason slate. But if you ask me, I'd probably put Mark Hill a little bit higher in terms of maybe just how NHL ready he is. Talking ceiling, I'd probably lean more lifestyle, but I think he has a little bit more ways to go. Um, oh, this is, this is a nice question. This is from um, uh, loyal uh, listener uh, Ty Anderson at underscore Ty Anderson. Who asks? Why do you, a native of New or- of a native of Orlando, Florida, pick your Boston accent for TikTok? No comment, Ty. No comment. Moving right along, uh, we got one from Robbie Feynman at the Finest Man, who asks, "What makes sense for JD Jake DeBrusque? Trade while his value is at a high, or hope to negotiate an extension at season's end?" Uh, Great question, Robbie, and it's going to be a really fascinating uh, kind of situation to see how the Bruins tackle this because I think ideally um, you look at Jake DeBrusque and what he brings and, you know, for his talent, uh, for where he's been in the lineup, uh, you look at the last couple of years, ever since he got slotted to the top six, he's been pretty much a 30-goal guy if he stays healthy. If he didn't break his leg in the Winter Classic last year, you're looking at a guy who scored 35 goals, right? Like, and uh, for what his value is, and as a guy who has been kind of homegrown through the Bruins system, I think ideally you want to keep him. Uh, it just depends on what exactly that money is going to be, right? Like that that's going to be the biggest hurdle, right? Because I don't think, the, you know, as much as he was rumored as a potential trade chip this, uh, this offseason, you look at what his cap hit is, plus the expected production you're going to get out of him. Even if Bergeron's not there, wherever you put Brusk in the top six, He's going to do some damage this year. He's going to give you at least, I think, 25 goals, uh, if not more, if he stays healthy. So if you're the Bruins and you're trying to, you know, remain competitive and try to keep uh, some more of that scoring uh, capabilities there, I don't think you're moving on from a guy like DeBrusque, especially that, at that price range. But by that same token, you have to figure out what you're going to do with this upcoming offseason. Because let's say DeBrusque is a 30-goal scorer. He's doing a pretty nice raise, right? Are you – do you want to be the team that gives him six years at six and a half, seven million, right? Like if anything, the rest is probably due for an even heftier pay raise because a lot of these players are hitting free agency this upcoming summer are going to benefit from the cap jumping up. And again, the Bruins are in a good spot where they are going to have a whole bunch of cap space available this upcoming summer. But if, are you going to divert, uh, a pretty hefty piece of that to resigning Gallic like DeBrusque, or you would you rather use that for other players like a uh, Elias Lindholm or Noah Hannafin or what have you? Like maybe the Bruins have the ability to spend and sign two or three of those guys, but uh, it is something that if you're going to have all this this money available when you're Don Sweeney, you want to spend it wisely, right? Because you already have a pretty solid foundation in place, but the last thing you want to do is kind of 
you know, stunt this next kind of contention window or this next generation of, of talent you have there with a few albatross contracts or deals that aren't going to age very well. Um, that's not to say that DeBrusque won't age well, but they have to make that determination of whether or not he's a guy that's going to be worth six six year deal at seven seven and a half million because that is, that is going to be really interesting to see how it works out. I still think the Bruins are inclined to keep him, but it's something definitely worth monitoring. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and this one is uh, actually kind of going off that. This is uh, Thorns fan nineteen who says, "Any chance they play DeBrusk at left wing opposite Pasta?" That is actually going to be a really interesting case uh, this year, Thorns fan, because uh, again, he's been really good on you know his, his weak side at right wing the last couple of years, put on with a, a line with Marchian and, and Bergeron. Right to be seen if Bergeron's going to be back. So again, he's one of the many other guys who you kind of weigh those options as to what this lineup's going to look like when you don't have or or do have a guy like Chris Bergeron in that lineup. But it is a fascinating case in terms of, let's say, a younger player like a Lysel does pop uh, during during the, the preseason. You do have the luxury then of slotting DeBrus back to his natural spot at left wing and slotting him next to a guy like uh, Pablo Zaka and David Pasternak. And uh, again, you, you look at just that the offense capabilities that line, there's a lot to like about, right? Like I think DeBrus is still a guy you can pencil in for 20, 25 goals, but putting him with a guy like David Pasternak and, and Pavel Zaka, who I think really made impressive strides last year, who's to, you know, what's to say that he can't continue to put up those numbers in that similar role. And if that opens up a spot on the top line for a guy like Lysel, or, you know, could a guy like a uh, Morgan Kiki make a, sustained push and fight for a role in the top six or what have you. I think you look at just where the Bruins have prioritized this season in terms of how they're going to handle their forward core. I think it all relies on flexibility, right? And having the ability to switch guys out, kind of tinker your lineup around kind of the guys, you know where they're going to fall into the lineup, but whether it's guys like geeky, um, whether it's, you look at this really crowded fourth line grouping where you've got, the opportunity for younger guys like a, a Beecher or a Lauko or McLaughlin to fight for minutes, but if they don't pan out, they're not at that stage of their development yet. You have plenty of guys like Boquist or Patrick Brown or, or what have you that can step into those roles. Milan Lucic, obviously. Um, I think for the Bruins, it's just, you know, they have a lot of guys in place already that remains to be seen how it's all going to sort out, but at the very least, they're giving themselves options. And having DeBrusque uh, and having that ability to swap him back over to left wing, I think you know, fits in line with what the Bruins are thinking there, where, you know, he can, you know, help drive play in the top six uh, on the right side. But if he needs to go back to his natural spot, because the guy pushes and we have a room there on the right side, DeBrus can move back to left wing. And I think we'll be pretty happy if he's playing regular minutes with guys like David Pasternak and Pablo Zaka. So that's definitely something to keep tabs on as well. So I think those are all the questions we have for today. We're going to wrap this up now, but, uh, again, we'll be back to our regular uh, programming next week, Evan and I. So expect more of Bruins beat and poke the bears. We kind of continue to navigate through uh, these kind of slower stretches of the Bruins offseason. Again, 
We'll see what happens when Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci do make their decisions because then it will ramp up again quite a bit. But until then, thank you guys for listening to uh, episode 156 of Poke the Bear. I'm Connor Ryan. Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) 